Hey, it feels good to be loved, right? <laughs> it's a good thing. How is everybody doing today? Good. Everybody doing well? Good, good, good. Um, it's always fun. You know, it's hard when Aaron's gone. I know uh, everybody. Oh, but it's also good. It gives us opportunities. And I do love to share the things that God has given me. And worship is fun too, but it's, it's fun being in this place because it kind of stretches you a little bit. And um, any of you who have been around here for a while, you know that uh, stretching our comfort zones is kind of what we're all about, right? So that's a good place to be. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity today, Lord, to learn and discover together more about the things that are in our lives, more about the things that your heart possesses for our lives. Father, I thank you for that partnership through the blood of Jesus Christ that we can come together, we can learn together, that we can bring out potential and encouragement and peace and joy and all the fruit of the Spirit in each other and through each other in Jesus' name. If you can agree with that. Amen. So Aaron has been dismantling things a little bit over the last, oh gosh, probably almost two years. Um, just wrong ideas we've had about God, things that maybe we've been taught. Um, how many of you know when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived? Otherwise, if you're deceived, right? It's not like we choose to believe the wrong things about God. Those are things that are, um, we are learned, Learned behavior. And those things come out of our culture. So how many of you know, you know, we all have a culture, right? How many of you know we have lots of cultures? And that these are things that we've learned from birth. It's not something that we are born knowing. The very first culture that we're exposed to is our families. So often we're taught the things that our parents believed or the things that our parents stood for, our value system. We hear all these buzzwords, right? Values, conviction, um, this is my family, this is my culture, this is my ethnic group, this is my whatever it might be. All of those things fall under the category of culture. And that is where we form, you know, in our, in our inward belief system, who we are, how we're supposed to behave, and what set of rules we're expected to follow. Right? So are we all on the same page with that? So is a definition, culture is the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. The attitudes, thought patterns, and behavioral characteristics of a particular people group. Culture influences people's lives in many ways, including where they decide to stay or live, what they do, their perception of education, notice perception of education, what that looks like to them, what employment they consider suitable for themselves or those around them, their behaviors, their accent, what they read, what they do for entertainment. In addition, culture has a huge impact on human lives in regard to what people wear, to what people say, to what people, uh, even to what people find humorous to what they think is funny. Through culture, people develop a sense of belonging, personal growth, and the capacity to emphasize and associate with others. Culture is an absolute value system that you can't not do. It is so ingrained in you. 
And there's a culture in the church, right? There's a culture at your job. There's a culture with your families. There's a culture of kids at your schools. There's a culture with your friends group and your peers. There's a culture in Colorado. There's a culture in Pueblo. There's a culture in the United States. On and on and on and on. So, but what about when the Bible tells us that God's kingdom is not of this world? So if this world is made up of all of our different cultures, belief systems, all of those things, and the kingdom of God is not of this world, then what kind of culture does it have? Did you ever think about that? No, right. We can't not do culture. So how many of you think that maybe, just maybe, we project some of this worldly culture onto the kingdom of God? Because we don't know how to not do it. Maybe? Can we try that journey today? Okay. I want you all to just think for a minute. Those of you who write notes, some of you have a culture of writing notes. Some of you just listen. That's fine, right? I want you to think for just a minute, and I want you to finish this sentence with the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay, you can write it down if you write down, or you can just think it doesn't matter to me. Something will pop in your head. I am fill in the blank. No context. Just I am and then fill in the blank. How many of you have something? How many of you have a thousand things? How many of you are wondering, what is she asking me? In what context? I am what? I am where? When am I? I'm in church, so okay, what's the right answer? I'm in church. I am. I'm a child of God, I'm powerful, I'm more than a conqueror. You know, those kinds of things might come because the context of what I'm asking is right here in church, right? But if I pick up the phone at work, hi, this is Lori, this is Pueblo Pediatric Therapy Center. I am a child of God, I am more than a conqueror, I am wonderful. Can I help you? In that context, it might not quite fit. Do you see what I'm saying? So who we define ourselves as sometimes is completely particular to where we're at and who we think we're responding to and what we think they want to hear. You know? Now, of course, it's not bad to answer the phone, I'm a child of God, I'm more than a conqueror, but the other person on the other end says, I just want to know if I have an appointment today. Right? Okay. So how you answer that question reveals some of your cultural values. And it changes context depending on where you are and who is asking the question. So in the culture of the kingdom, do the same thing. I want you to do the same thing. I want you to say, God is fill in the blank. God is fill in the blank. Now, depending on where you're at right now or what you think I might be asking or what we just saying on the PowerPoint, you know, those kinds of things might come up as to what God is. But what are the values of the kingdom? 
What is the structure of the kingdom? What kind of cultural dynamics does the kingdom have? And who does the kingdom say God is and you are? Now, we have formed such a deep belief with our culture that we live in a culture that responds to mistakes. We live in a culture that it's a cause and effect. Somebody does something wrong, this is what happens. Uh, we have a sense to need to punish people if they make mistakes. Right? Somebody makes a mistake, first thing we want them to do is confess. Okay? Now, confession is, is good for the soul. The Bible tells us this. But you know what confession really does? Confession gathers evidence, which is evidence that you're going to use to convict somebody. So that when you stand up in a court of law, you can say, see, you confessed. You admitted you did this, so you deserve this. And our culture responds that way, whether we realize it or not. So is it possible, because God's kingdom is not of this world... And we are so steeped in this culture that maybe we have projected that same response onto God. That God is looking at us and saying, hey, this is the standard. You didn't do this. Confess. Okay, now here's the punishment. And that's why the Western culture has gotten into the mess it's been in. And that's what we've been trying to dismantle over the last year and a half. Does that make sense? Now, in most of this belief system, we feel like God is responding the same way. And so we project that onto God. We equate. Now, what happens when somebody breaks the rules? I want you to think about it for a minute. How do you feel when somebody breaks one of your rules? Okay, parents, how do you feel when somebody breaks one of your rules? Upset. Different ways for different Situations. Okay, for instance, let me give you an example. Okay, so your freshman in high school brings home a report card. I'm not picking on you, Danae. I just picked freshman in high school. Okay, or Adrian. I see you back there too. Anyway, they have an F. Now you know they have an F because they haven't been doing their homework. They've been on their phone and with their friends and doing whatever, and they come home with an F. Now, how do you respond? Now, I'll tell you how I respond. What is the matter with you? How I am so disappointed in you. I raised you to do be better than this. In this house, we do our homework. We do our responsibilities first. Then we play. So no phone for a week. Has any other parent acted like that except me? So those of you with young kids who haven't got there yet, listen. (laughs) All right. Now, what does that say? That says, I had a standard. I had a rule. You broke it. This is how you made me feel. And so this is your consequence. Correct? Or, or, now, none of you have ever done this either. You go racing down to the school. And you go blasting into the teacher How dare you give my child so much homework? Well, this education system is crazy. I can't believe the amount of homework that they expect our kids to do. How can we do this? So what did you just do? You had a standard for the education system, 
an expectation for them. They didn't measure up. So you're projecting your disappointment and your expectation onto them. Am I right? Nobody's done this, right? (laughs) So what that is, is what are you really afraid of, parents? I mean, what really happened there? What's the meat of that? It produces a fear in you of some sort. You're afraid your kid's not going to graduate. You're afraid your kid's going to struggle. You're afraid your peers are going to pick on them. You're afraid that somebody's going to look at you. Hey, what's the matter with you? Your kid's failing school. Get a handle. You're afraid that your household is out of control maybe because you're not making sure your kid's getting their homework done. Do you see how that gets? Fear, 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 fear. It ignites fear in you. So what do you do? Fear or flight, you lash out and grab control. I'm going to be in control here. I'm the parent. I am the mother. And you will do as I say. Am I right? Pretty much. Okay. So it becomes a struggle. And we start to equate, oh, but child, honey, I'm only doing this because I love you. I'm only taking away your phone because I love you. I'm only, you know, depriving you of all your social contact because I love you. And your child's going, yeah, right, mom. So what what are we teaching them here? We're teaching them to equate fear and control with love. If you love somebody, you will control them because, after all, you're trying to protect them of the evils that can happen to them. Right? And the uh, the child, on the other hand, says, somebody controls me because they love me. And you don't realize you do it. How many of you do that on purpose? I didn't do that on purpose. I never did that on purpose. That was not my motivation. But that's what happened. So then we come to God. God has all these rules. And we're taught by the church if we don't follow these rules, well, you know, God disciplines those whom he loves. So I equate and project because I think God's like me. We really deeply down believe that God is like us. Even though we don't realize it. And so we project our culture onto him. But again, he said... His ways are not our ways, and the culture of the kingdom or the kingdom is not of this world. So, how would we do this? What is the culture of the kingdom? Are you all completely confused now? Yeah, I was for a while. Now, I'm not working this out. I mean, I am working this out, but I don't have it completely perfected in my life. But I want you to look at 1 John 4. Now, if you've been here for a while, Aaron's been talking about the difference between fear and faith and fear and love, right? We used to think, and Jeanette was a brilliant job this morning, you know, talking about being in fear. We used to think if we were in fear, we weren't in faith. That fear and faith were opposite of each other. But if we look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, Because as he is, so are we in this world. So we are in this world. We need to work through these things. There is no fear in love. 
Say that with me. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. They have to do without that phone for a week. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. So when we're responding out of fear in order to gain control, we're not responding in love. We're responding in fear. So when God, we think God is responding at, to gain control, is he really? Because God is love. He's perfected in love. That's not God. Who's the accuser? We are. In the Bible, who does it say the accuser of the brethren is? Satan. You can look at that in Revelations chapter 12. So when we step into a place of accusing, we have actually stepped into the culture and the kingdom of darkness. Because we are making accusations. Based on fear and control, not on love. Wow. I'm sorry. Okay. So if you aren't, if you're in fear, you're not in love. So here's a big revelation to you guys all. Ready? God is not afraid of your mistakes. God is not afraid of you breaking his rules. God could care less if you break his rules. Because if he responded the way we think he should respond, he would respond with control. How many of you have heard the saying, God is in control? We think that's great, right? What if I told you that's not even true? You're messing with my thought processes here. God is not afraid of our sin. Every single thing in your life matters to God. Everything. So many times we have come under a belief, well, I can't. I just messed up. I I just sinned. I did something that wasn't pleasing to God. So I have to turn my back from him and go make it right, and then I can come back. That's shame-based. That doesn't come from God. That comes from us and our own kingdom and our own culture here that has taught us to do that. So culture of the kingdom says, I'm going to look for the treasure and not the trash. I'm going to look for what's in you and me that Jesus came and found worth redeeming. I'm going to search out those areas and bring them into perfect love, which means perfect love has no fear. I'm not afraid. Okay, that's hard. That's why I said it's not completely, you know, walked out. It's not completely perfected, but it's an eye-opener. It gets that deception off of us. It gets that thing off of us that says that if I love something, I control it. We develop such a culture of rules that govern what we do. And the rules that we make are based out of fear. Now, if rules created love, then prisons would be the most loving places in the world. 
because there's no place that has more rules than a prison. My husband works in one. So rules don't create love. Now, there's a difference between rules and structure. Okay, don't get me wrong. We're not just going to go gallivanting around. God's not a God of chaos. But there's a difference between rules and structure. Structure is a framework that we can help get along. But rules are something that are expectations that we either achieve or we break. If we achieve them, there's this. If we break them, there's this. And so we have developed such a culture, especially in the United States, of a love with the rules. You know, tell me what the rules are. Let me know what the rules are. If I know what the rules are, then I won't mess up because I don't want to be in trouble because I don't want to disappoint you. Because I don't want to make a mistake and be vulnerable. Tell me what the rules are. When God is saying, I want a relationship. Now, how many of you have relationships with rules? Okay, maybe you don't know what that means. Let me give you an example. Okay. The IRS has rules. Oh, I so love the IRS. I want a relationship with the IRS. So I'm not going to pay my taxes because I know they want a relationship with me and they love me. So they're going to let me not pay my taxes. Yeah, right. Is that going to happen? No. Here's another one. Oh, Mr. State Patrolman, I know I was going 85. But I love the State Patrol and I want a relationship with you. And I love what's going on with that. So you know what? I know you're not going to give me a ticket because you love me right back. How's that working out for anybody? <laughs> Zip, $250 fine. <laughs> okay, so that is a relationship based on rules. So there are places, obviously, where are the rules. But we're not trying to establish a relationship with them. We're trying to establish a relationship with God and with each other. So if we do it based on rules, then that's the kind of relationship we're going to have. Very, you know, superficial, very um, trying to, you know, sneak around the radar gun or cheat a little bit here, cheat a little bit there. I'm not going to tell you everything that's going on in my life because I might break one of your rules. So if we have that kind of relationship with the father then are we really entering into a relationship of the heart or are we entering into a relationship of rules? If we have that kind of relationship with each other, are we entering into a relationship of rules or a relationship of the heart? I'll give you an example. Uh, A few years ago, quite a few years ago, man, I'll tell you what, if you wanted to get on the praise team, I could give you two and a half pages of guidelines. All the rules that you had to follow to be on the praise team. And they were made by the people on the praise team. We all sat down and we made rules of what you could wear, what you couldn't wear, attending practice. Uh, I mean, there were just rules for everything. Chewing gum. I mean, rules, 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 rules. We made rules for everything. Because why? Because we were afraid... that people wouldn't follow them and that we wouldn't have good worship. 
if we didn't have good worship, we would upset the Father and grieve the Holy Spirit because people weren't acting right and people weren't doing their part and some people were doing more than others and some people were slacking. Are you getting it? So we had tons of rules. And guess who got to enforce the rules? So I turn into a cop. Because nobody ever breaks rules, right? We're all so compliant and wonderful. Nobody ever breaks a rule. Heck, how could you remember them all? There were two and a half pages. I can't even remember them all. But somebody would come up, so-and-so broke a rule. You need to deal with it. And so it becomes this relationship, and I, my praise team members can nod their head. They remember this time. Nod your heads, guys. Okay. Um, real life stuff here. Um, so what happened is, is we had relationships based on rules. And it was all a hierarchy of who kept the rules the best or who broke the rules or this person's rebellious or this person's lazy or this person. And all of a sudden, I am becomes all these labels behind it. You see what happens? So I walked in one night and said, we're done. We're, we're doing away with all the rules. No more rules. You guys can do whatever you want to do. I don't care. What? Talk about fear. <laughs> what are we going to do now? What's going to happen? You've taken away, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to act. I don't know how to behave. Because we had set up a relationship based on rules. So all of a sudden, you didn't know how to be yourself. You didn't know how to relate. You didn't know how to behave. So I, I just completely did, with them, did away with them. said, you guys can do whatever you want. I don't care. And it took a while. You know, for them to get used to it. Now, we still have some general guidelines. We came back and put some general guidelines, mostly just to keep people from tripping on cords and stuff like that. You know, like flip-flops are a really bad idea when you're jumping up and down on a platform and there's cords all over the place. Just kind of sort of is a bad idea. Um, mini skirts, you know. I don't know about you guys, but if they're jumping up and down, I don't know. Maybe you probably don't want to see that. So... We did away with the rules, and we have spent the last three years building relationship. What's going on in your life? What's going on here? What's going on there? Now, it doesn't happen overnight, but you start looking for the treasure and not for the trash. You start looking for the things, that, the gifting that's in them and the insecurities and the areas that you want to love on, and you start extracting those. And Tuesday night, we had a major breakthrough. And we sat down for an hour, and in 14 years I've been leading worship, I have never heard people be so honest with themselves first and with the rest of the team as to the struggles that have been going on in their life. And I went home and I said, God, these are the people I want to be in relationship with. These are the people. These are real people. These are real people with real struggles, with real fears, with real hurts, with real giftings that they need reconciling in that never would have been exposed in a set of rules. Ever. That's the culture of the kingdom. 
You go in, you look for those treasures, you look for those things that are in them. You don't focus on what they're doing, you focus on why. So, let's go back to the report card scenario again. Okay, your freshman comes home, they've got an F. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. You must really love school. Why, Mom? Because at this rate, you're going to be in the ninth grade for three years. And not only that, but by the time you get out of the ninth grade, your little brother is going to be in the ninth grade with you. And you'll have your driver's license because, you know, you won't be, you'll be, what, 18? So you can take all your little brother's friends around with you. And they can, you guys can all hang out together. That's awesome. Now, it still has a consequence with it, right? But which one do you think, as a kid, you're going to respond more to? Well, bless God, I'm not taking my little sister around. <laughs> I'm not going to be in the ninth grade forever. And all of a sudden, their homework starts getting done. Now, you didn't do anything that devalued, right? You didn't remove the consequence of, not, of getting an F in the school, You didn't project it onto a teacher who isn't doing their job, who probably has rules and expectations that they have to follow. You didn't go in there with, I'm so disappointed. You were like, wow, that's awesome. You must really love school. Do you see the difference? Big difference. You're looking for the things that are treasures, And you take away that element of fear. Now they're motivated. So I want you to, how do we start putting this into practice? It's not easy. Because we've been learning this culture of rules and shame and control and fear our whole lives. Right? I'm not the only one. So how do you learn? You make a lot of mistakes. You say a lot of things you don't mean. You take back a lot of things. But the first thing you do is you own responsibility for how you react to things. For instance, nobody can make you mad. I don't care what they do. Throw a pie in your face, spill spaghetti all over you, cuss you out, call you horrible things. You're responsible for your reaction to what they're doing. So if you get mad, I'm mad. Not you made me mad. I'm mad. If you're sad, be sad. I'm sad. You didn't make me sad. You didn't make me depressed. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. Just because somebody else didn't live up to your expectation, it's not their fault. They didn't make the expectation. You did. So when someone doesn't live up to your expectation, own it. And maybe lower your expectation. Because what's more important, whether they followed your set of rules or whether or not you have a relationship with them. If you have a relationship with them, then maybe the expectation 
needs to be lowered a little bit. But own your stuff. Pay attention to how you feel when someone makes a mistake around you. Anybody. Those of us in leadership, we have to be definitely more attentive to that. Because in our mind, we see a lot more mistakes because of the pattern that we've been taught to be as leaders. Hey, bless God, come in here. You're going to do what I say. What is that? Fear, control, rules. I don't care. Do what you want. It's freeing. It's freedom. There's freedom in that. And this is going to shock you as well, too. But God gave us free will, right? Now, how far in your mind does free will go? Does free will mean free will? Does that mean the free will to make bad choices as well as good choices? Does that mean the free will to make choices that could take your life? Either God's a God of free will or he's not. He may not like the choice you made, but he'll stand there with you and help you get through the consequence, but he doesn't spare you the consequence. So ultimately, and this will shock you because of your, what you're thinking of in your own mind and your own culture, God is pro-choice. Oh, now, some of you with cultural things just went, bless God, she's talking about abortion now. No, I didn't say that. That's how in culture is ingrained in your head. That you hear somebody say something and you jump to something else. God is pro-choice. He will respect every choice you make. Every choice you make matters to him, good, bad, or ugly. Every consequence is yours to accept and take. We do our children no favors in protecting them from the consequences of their behavior. You do your kids no favors. Because that means God would jump in, and every time we make a bad choice, he would be in control and make our lives better. And how many of us have prayed for that? Me. God, when are you going to come in and fix this mess? When you stop making bad choices or different choices. You know, repetitive behavior, you see that behavior over and over again. Making the wrong choice. There's a belief system underneath that that's causing you to make that bad choice. If we make a rule just about the choice, we never get to the behavior underneath it that's causing us to make that bad choice. So we have to create a safe place for people to come and be able to do that. It's called a culture of honor. Where I honor what God has put in you and the gifting, and all of the assets that are in you, and you honor what God has put in me. And we work together to honor other people. If the culture of the world is about rules and condemnation and laws and all this other sort of stuff, and if God's kingdom is not of this world, you follow me so far? If we act like this world, how are we going to shine a light in it? We're acting just like the world. So when we go out and protest and we get into arguments on Facebook and we go out and call our brothers and sisters, you know, things that we shouldn't call because they don't think like we do. 
we're falling into that system of darkness. So if we want to be the system of light, then we need to look for the good and the treasure that is in people and forget the rules. Let them suffer the consequences. They can be in high school for four years or they can be in high school for eight. Doesn't matter to me. They're still going to... I kind of like the eight because then that means I get to keep them home longer. But I guess that's kind of control too, huh? (laughs) Can you understand what I'm saying? All right. So as soon as you've realized how you feel, fear, oh my gosh, our family's going to be exposed. I'm going to be, people are going to think terrible of me. Something horrible is going to happen. Stop. How would perfect love respond in this situation? We, how many of you remember what would Jesus do? The bracelets? That became kind of funny, but it's actually kind of true. You know why the Pharisees and Sadducees were so afraid of Jesus? You know why they didn't recognize him as the Messiah? Because they wanted him to be like them. And they wanted to go after the Romans. They wanted to kick butt, take names. They wanted somebody to come in and do their work for them. They wanted somebody to restore their kingdom. They wanted somebody to hate them as much as they did. And when Jesus came in and went to the Samaritans and loved them and went to the lepers and ministered to them and went into these areas that the rule book said you don't mess with, they're like, we can't deal with this. Who is this guy? And they didn't recognize him because they were looking for someone like them instead of someone from above. So you want heaven to invade earth? You want to be a light in this culture? You want all of that to work to an end? What would perfect love say in this situation? How would perfect love lift this up? Then number three, so first one was pay attention to how you feel, okay? Whether you want to fix it or exert control. When someone breaks one of your rules, number two is stop. What you're doing before you respond. How would perfect love respond in this situation? Number three, how can I make this a safe and accepting situation that empowers people? How can I make this safe? You've got to take away the threat. You've got to take away the fear. All right. I'm tired of making all, being the cop at the praise team. I don't want to do this. This is not right. This is not producing what we want it to produce anyway. So here you go. And inevitably, the next day, someone will break one of those rules. And then how are you going to respond? So how are you going to approach it? You have to deal with it. You can't just stick your head in the sound. You still have to deal with the situation. But how do you deal with it in a way that empowers that person? Okay, back to the report card. What can I do to help you, you know, get your homework finished? Well, homework's stupid. Okay. I agree. Homework's stupid. It's something that you just have to do. Well, and they give us too much. Yeah, you have a lot of homework. That's true. You do have a lot of homework. Well, well, and I want to I talk to my friends. Okay. You want to talk to your friends. All right. 
So homework is stupid. You have too much and you want to talk to your friends. So that's why you're not doing your homework. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if you're talking to your friends, are they doing their homework? No. Um, what kind of, just out of curiosity, what kind of grades are your friends getting? Oh, we all got F's in that class. Really? You all got F's in that class. Yeah, every single one of us. Hmm. And, you know, why, why do you think that is? Well, because the cool kids get F's. Cool kids get F's. Yeah. And so that, I guess that means you want to be cool? Well, yeah. I don't want to stick out. I don't want to get bullied. I don't want to be made fun of. They pick on me because I'm too smart. They think, you know, that I'm this goody two-shoes because I'm too smart of a kid, and they, they don't want to have anything to do with me, so I don't have any friends. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Do you see how that works? Now we're getting to the insecurities of the child and how they don't feel accepted and don't feel welcome and don't feel like they can enter into this culture group that they're starting to get into, which is high school. Now we have something to work with. Now, if I'd have just gotten mad, took away the phone, would we have ever figured out what was really going on there at a deeper level? It's the same with all of you. Find treasure in each other. Bring the light of the kingdom into each other's lives. And for heaven's sake, when a leader messes up, they're human too. They're not under a different set of rules than you are. Same rules. Let's find the treasure in each other. Let's pull that love And let's empower people. That's the culture of the kingdom. That's a culture of honor. Amen. Let's stand up. I want you to just close your eyes. And say to yourself, I am and fill in the blank. And keep going. I am. I am. I am angry sometimes, God. I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I'm insecure. Then say to yourself, God is. God is accepting. God is forgiving. God is love. He says to you, you are unpunishable. There is nothing that you can do that he's going to punish. Nothing. Now, if that sets something off in you, then you know right there that there's some things that still need to be perfected because it doesn't me. So repeat after me. Thank you, Lord. I am accepted. I am loved. I am powerful. 
I am teachable. I am free from the law of sin and death. I want to be a true reflection of your love in this world. Reveal to me treasure in myself and in others. Help me break that chain of slavery to rules that produce accusations. I choose to look for that which Christ saw worthy to redeem in me first and in the world. I am a free-flowing channel empowered by the Holy Spirit. That flow will sustain me in my family, at my job, with my, with my coworkers, with my friends, with the people in my church. And teach me the power and freedom of perfect love that casts out fear. I love others because you, God, first loved me. Now just give him some thanks. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your accepting, unpunishable love that casts out fear, that perfects us. Help us, Lord. Help us to see the treasure in ourselves first and the treasure in others. Help us to be a light of the culture of the kingdom in this world and in this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said.